Are you one of the three quarters of people struggling with a fear or anxiety around public speaking? Do you wish you could communicate more effectively, develop more meaningful relationships, grow your business and access greater opportunities? Welcome to Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. In this series, I'll draw on my own experience from terrified teenager to UK award-winning speaker and communications coach, as well as speaking to a number of special guests, all with one object in mind, to help you communicate more effectively. Ready to grow? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Warmest of welcomes to this episode of the Simon Speaks podcast. I am thrilled and delighted to welcome Big Ian, as he's known on LinkedIn, but Ian Donaghy to uh, to the show. Ian, warmest of welcomes to you. You've you've had a wonderful career in in music, and now you obviously do an extensive amount of work in in care. And uh, I want to dig into all of that if we can. But uh, first of all, just give us a little bit of uh, of your background as to to your music career, because I know it was a huge part of your life for uh, for a very long time. Uh, well, I went to be. I went to university, and on my first night at university, uh, one of the lads who lived in our halls of residence said, oh, I'm just off to the music block. And I went, all right, why? He said, oh, I'll play music. I'll play piano, play guitar. So I went over, and I started singing along, and we started a band <laughs> that night. First night away at university. We then had a terrible band at university. Uh, some musicians from York came to see us one night, and this guitarist came up and he said, excuse me, mate, uh, I've just seen your band. I went, oh, thanks. And he went, they're shocking. Uh, but you're mint. Uh, do you want to join a band? Do you want to make a band with me and my brother? And I'm still playing with some of those guys now, 32 years down the line. And over those 32 years, we've sold out Grand Opera House 30 times. We opened York Barbican Centre. We reopened York Barbican Centre. Sold that out six, seven times. Uh, we've played to 12,000 people in the centre of York. When Leeds Rhinos won the Challenge Cup in 1999, we were waiting for them as they came in and Barry McDermott went for my shots and I turned around and thought, I, I think I might hit Barry McDermott. And I looked at Barry McDermott and I thought, I'll not hit Barry McDermott. That would be foolish. But I've got one of his shirts upstairs because it was the only one that would fit me at the time. Uh, we've played everywhere. I've duetted with people like Justin Timberlake, with Lulu, James Blunt, and I've had a lot of fun, really. I was too rock and roll to be a teacher, but I was too teacher to be rock and roll. So I've had, you know, two careers that have meant I've always had the nicest car in the car park. I've always gone on the nicest holidays, just because when other people were at home watching Saturday Night Telly, I was entertaining people and giving them a good time and rolling in at 4 a.m. But I don't know whether it's kept me young or made me old. I know one thing. One of us on this podcast has lost 70% of his hearing because of rock and roll, and the other one hasn't. But would I have changed anything? Nah, because I've met some amazing people. I get to play with incredible musicians, and I've been all over the place. I've been to places where I should never, ever have been. I've played to, roy to royalty and everything. You know, one night, you know, I'm looking at this last dancing away at us uh, in Northumberland. I thought, bah, she's a good dancer. She came up at the end of the night and she said, that was fantastic and gave us a cuddle. And I went, bah, she's a bonny lass. And what do you know? She's called Pippa Middleton. But there you go. 
but she's just a lass who was dancing, having a good time. And that's it. And so that's all we've done. We've given people a lot of fun over the years. And it's been, it's been the antidote to my career. And then my career has been the antidote to it. Because both take their toll. Both take it out of you. You throw loads in. But, you know, it's a, I've been a lucky bloke. Mm. I absolutely love that. And, and it just you can see the enthusiasm you know, for, for what you've had the opportunity to do. And, and it's all about taking those opportunities and just having a good time doing it. Now, I know that you did spend some time in the education sector and, and I have as well and still am. Uh, and I know that that comes with its unique challenges, but I know that you had quite a, a unique approach to the education sector, which meant that you were able to form some quite purposeful relationships with people that might otherwise have been quite challenging. Uh, what, what's your advice in terms of people working in education? Now, there's a tough one. Well, I never got out of education what I kind of hoped for. I wanted a leafy lane school. My dad had left school and gone back and taught in his old school for all of his teaching career. He had two years out of school and he had a lovely time. He was man of the people, big community, all that sort of thing. Whereas when I'd been a bouncer before I went to college, I was a heavy guy. At my biggest, I've been 28 stone eight with a 64-inch chest. So if you walk into a little room to be interviewed, you pretty much fill the room. It gets dark. And so I didn't get the jobs I wanted. And in the end, I never had a job going into the new year. And one of my lecturers just got onto the schools in York and said, I've got the most naturally gifted teacher in York. And nobody's touching him because he looks like he could kill James Bond. And so this special skill brought me in and they said, come in for a day. So I went in for a day and I left eight years later. <laughs> no interview, no note. The kids love you, right? They weren't bothered that I was massive. They all like Barney the dinosaur and stuff like that. So I was just another big sort of entertaining thing. And they taught me more than I taught them in that special skill. I taught all the traveling community. What I would say about teaching is I looked at the kids and I never, ever thought, right, I need to get this, you know, round peg and get in the square hole. I tried to make a round hole phone and I got on with kids. Now, when I left teaching, people said, you must miss kids. And I went, no, because they were people and I'm working with all the people now. And it's just the same. And the, 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 familiar, the similarities between young people and older people is wonderful. Do you know the boring bits? The boring people are the bits in the middle, us. We're the ones who, who think we're the ones with the answers. And we really are holding back progress. If we left everything in the hands of children and older people, I tell you now, there'd be a hell of a lot of uh, problems being solved. So I always used to focus on the individual and... I never had a cup of tea ever in a staff room. I used to hang out with the kids in my room on the, you know, out on the playground, talking to them. I used to watch WWE wrestling on a Friday and a Saturday night so I could talk to the kids who were having a bad time. And if they wouldn't let me in the front door, I could get in the side door. I had to pretend I liked Manchester United and Liverpool and I hated both of them. 
right? And the thing is, I would talk to the kids. And I remember one kid would come in and he'd be devastated if Manu lost. And he used to come in and he'd say, Gabriel Batistuk is a really good striker. He'd have scored against anybody, wouldn't he, sir? And I went, yes, he would win. And so you had to know the kids. And that's what I did. I, I was lucky. So I worked for the home office and I worked for special schools and I worked in management. And then I was getting forced and forced and forced and forced into being a head teacher. And I didn't want it because every time I was going to get up that ladder and get yet another promotion, I got a promotion every year. It was like a sort of little, it was like monopoly. You know, you get past, you past go, oh, by the way, you're head of year eight and year nine and year 10. Oh, and you're head of the thing. So it was a case of, I just thought, no, we need to focus on the individual. And I wish education did that. And I think you might think the same, Sam. There are far more boxes to tick than sometimes I can. And I, I do. I don't know how you do it. See, I got out. I got out of teaching. I was headhunted out of teaching uh, 12 years ago. 12 years ago mm. and I was in teaching for 18 years and it was a career you know it was all going pretty well and I just thought someone's given us an opportunity here so they said can you use all the learning disability stuff that you've done all the special needs stuff, and can you use that focusing on the individual for people uh, living with dementia and I went do you know what I'll have a go and the world of dementia has embraced me like internationally, it's embraced me. I could never, ever have made the difference in education that I've been allowed to in care. That's really profound because, you know, you seem, you seem really to have finally found something that, that you really fit with and that you've made, a, as you say, a big impact with because I, I see some of the work that you've done and, and being online, being on LinkedIn, I have seen some of the, the content and the videos and, and things that you've done and it's just... It's great to watch because you, you can see all of those individual skills that you've talked about, the music, the speaking, uh, the leadership, the finding that individual experience for somebody and making it about them. And, and suddenly all of that has come together. All of those little pieces seem to have fit together with this role that you're doing, you're mm. doing now. You know and what, what, I, what I like about it, go on. One of my friends, um, a guitarist who I've played with for 30 years, came to watch me. Uh, speak at the conference and then go into a care home and do a lot of activity with a lot of people. And he just came out and he went, you just you, aren't you? He went, you are professionally you. He said, D you are the same bloke in front of any audience, whatever you are. He said, I was expecting you to wear all, you know, put on another hat, put on another head, do all this sort of thing. And he went, it's just you. And I went, well, to be honest, it seems to work all right. And why, why would I change? I've got all of this stock pot. You know, I've got a Northeast accent. I'm larger than life. You know, I'm quite a funny bloke on my day and people seem to engage with me and I make them feel a bit better. Well, why not use those tricks? And I used them with kids when I used to get them from primary school into secondary school when I used to see them leave and all this sort of thing, and when I see all the people come into care homes, and when I see all the people leave the world, and it's all the same. It's about you've just got to be, you know, good with people. You know, make them feel like they matter, because uh, they do, at whatever age. 
And and that that's really good because I, I love that phrase about being professionally you because a lot of us try and go to work and try to be something other than what we are. And I think that's what makes us unhappy. I think it was something like 90% of people do a job they don't like. And and that's not great for our level of happiness or authenticity. And, and you wonder why you're not as productive as you want to be. Well, it's because you're trying to be something other than who you are. And uh, I think that's why I found so many things that I enjoy over the last few years. And we were talking before this, like you say, and, and we, we both try loads of different stuff and we don't have one thing necessarily that we're known for, but I enjoy so many of those different things and they give me mm. different, different amounts of purpose. And I just think, yeah, if I enjoy doing it, I'm going to do it because it gets me out of bed on the morning and it gets me engaging with people and not feeling like I have to put on a front or put on a mask. I can just be me. Yeah. And I like that. Do you know what I think is a shame? I think it's a shame. Everybody wants you to be a laser beam that you've got to be so focused and that's all you do. That's all you do. And I just can't help thinking, well, why not? Don't be a one trick pony. Why not have a few tricks? Why not? you know, be a smorgasbord. Why not have all these lovely things? And people think that just because you do one thing well, then you can't do another thing well. Well, if you're of the mindset that says, well, I tell you what, I'm going to throw all chips in. I'm going to do a really good job of this. Then that means I'm a pretty damn good front man with 2,000 people in front of me at a theatre. And I'm a pretty good funny guy hosting an events thing, or I can make a room cry and have it right in the palm of my hand. And I know that if I put a gap there, I'm going to draw them all in. And I've seen 450 people at a national conference cry just with a gap. And that's what I love. So I've got a Swiss army life and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, variety is a good thing. It's taken me 50 years to get pretty good at summit. You know, and and happy, hmm. and like you're, you're just a young, yeah, just a young whippersnapper. You, you know, no age at all, right? But I tell you now, it, you will find that over the years you'll try and make a cyberman suit around you and your skills, and when you get there, it feels lovely. I'm looking forward by to that way. day. But then again, by the way, you've just been called a whippersnapper. I've never used the word whippersnapper in my entire life. What's what's the one that my gra- my grandma used to say? Knee knee high to a grasshopper. That was the one my grandma. Yeah. Whippersnapper. Unbelievable. An- ankle biter or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I tell you, if people watching the video of this, you'd struggle to work out which one of us were fifty because I've had kids up. <laughs> last couple of nights and I've got- oh, oh were they, they well the glasses glasses hide my my lines so you know and the hair's the hair's just white so there you go at least you've got some yeah <laughs> <laughs> now what what i like as well about you is that that you've told me this before and i i think it's a really good approach that a lot of people won't be brave enough to try but you have described yourself in the past as a guy with a phone and I like that a lot because in a, in a world of social media and websites and investment in marketing and search engine fiddling about and all this stuff, you can spend an absolute fortune trying to really refine a website. But, but actually in doing that, you miss the connection to people. Whereas if you pick up a phone and ring someone, you've got somebody there on the other end straight away. What if what have you found in terms of your approach to business that you, you feel has simplified or made life better in terms of you connecting with people? Well, I think I'm a dreadful businessman. 
right? I'm not, I am, I'm shocked. Um, because it's not about money for me. It's about, it's more about the outcome than the income, as some cliche would be. But I meet lovely people. I do nice things and nice things happen. Now that's pretty good. I've turned down some big money. Well, what I considered big money because I didn't align myself with people, right? Somebody asked me to make some films and they, gave, they offered me enough money that would have bought my first house and it would have taken me a month to make. And I walked out of that room over the moon because I thought I've just, I could have bought my first house from that, but I didn't want to work with you. And it felt incredible. So I am a bloke with a mobile phone. That's all I am. There you go. That's it. Bloke with a mobile phone, right? I don't do anything fancy, right? I can make some pretty clever films. I have made films that have been used as cinema trailers all around the world for Guardians of the Galaxy on that mobile phone. I've made films that have won National Dementia Innovation Awards on a mobile phone. That's all you need now. I haven't got an office. Why would I have an office, right? Why would I have an office? I go out for a walk with the mobile phone. On there, I can sit, I can do emails. I don't even need my computer out. I can then just ring up people. I don't need Zoom calls too much. I like to ring up one person to talk to me. See, I wasn't, you know, when we could go out for a drink and all that sort of thing, I was never one of these people who would go out and say, oh, there's 20 of us going out. I'll go, great, have a nice time. I much prefer this, where I'm just talking one-to-one -one, than if there was 27 of us, or it was set up like Graham Norton, where you've got eight people all trying to flog their film. I much prefer the one-to-one, -one. because as a speaker, speaking is that much of what I do, and listening is that much. And so, yes, I do claim to be a man in a mobile phone, because that's all I am. And you know what? Works all right. You know, these people who use the term, we are going to do something, when we all know they're just a bloke in a car. Or we, my organisation, and you just think, yeah, and she's just going to rock up, you know, rock up with a bag, and there you go, right? What I am now is I'm a bloke, right? And I turn up at things, and I'll have, a, I'll have my projector, I'll have, you know, I'll hook up my me, me computer to something, I've got my clicker, I'll sometimes have a guitar with us, okay? And that's it. And you know what? That's all you need. I don't need for you to think that I've got a team, you know, of underlings, okay, who are all worshipping at the shrine of Big Ian, right? No, it's just me. Get up, you know, I get up in the same house as my two kids every night, every morning, and we have a nice time, and then I go out to work, and then there you go. And that's all I am. And, you know, I wish a few more people would be a bit more honest and not pretend that there's some, you know, big thing. Because we're not, we're all just, well, just folk, aren't we? And the more, the more honest we are, the more we can get on with the good stuff, can't we? And cut through it all. We are. Uh, it's, it's, you're reminding me so much of a, of a picture I saw the other day about uh, how people advertise themselves on social media versus what it actually means. And so one of them was like eight figure sales. And it was like, yes, eight figures, including decimal places. And, then, and there was one about uh, oh, yeah. 
CEO and founder. And it says, if you advertise yourself as CEO and founder, it just means you're the only person in the company. <laughs> oh, of course I am. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. All these things. I am a bloke, right? My office, I've got a, I've got a white Volvo outside. That's got, you know, that's it. I'm a Volvo. I'm a, I'm a computer. I'm a, I'm a phone. I'm a pair of blue glasses so I can see. A couple of hearing aids so I can hear. Right? And there you go. Boom. And that's it. And that's all we need. And there's some wonderful, wonderful speakers out there. And you know, that's all we claim to be. And that's it. Because their worth is all about the cake. It ain't about the icing. And I think anyone who watches LinkedIn or watches any social media, we can now look at it and go, look at you. You know, cook to the, cook to the chase, will you? And that's why I think you, we need a bit more honesty out there. And it seems to work all right. Sound advice, that. If there are people out there who are listening to somebody like you, who clearly enjoys what they do and has a lot of fun doing it, and they sit there and they think, I'm not really enjoying my job, and I would like to do a little bit more of what I'm passionate about. What would you recommend to those people? What, what would you say they should do first in terms of trying to align themselves a little bit more with what they enjoy doing rather than what they can just get paid to sit in an office and do? Well, you're asking a man who has got to 50 years old and still doesn't necessarily know what he's going to do. You know, I enjoy making a difference. Now that sounds very, you know, a very coverall thing, but it works. I enjoy seeing people happy and seeing the difference I can make. I enjoy putting on a music festival for older people to get 90-year-olds to play with rock bands for the first time. I enjoy making films that can be seen all around the world, that can change the way people look at things. Look at what fires you up. I think the trick is, look at what made you happy as a kid. Because... What happens is this, the older we get, we're meant to be getting better. And what we do is we lose things, we drop things. So if you, when you're a child, you look at a tree and you think, I wonder, if I, can live, I wonder if I can climb that tree. And the only way you find out is by climbing it. Whereas if you get along the, the line with age, you look at a tree and go, big tree that, I'll not bother. And I think we need to look at what made us happy as children. So whether that's drawing, whether I, I always used to love it when people used to be around me and I used to make people laugh. So my nana's mates would come around and I'd make them laugh. And, you know, I'd sing a song at school and it would go down the street or I'd be in a school play or something like that. And that would be great. And when, I, you know, and when I was older, I went into a classroom and I would make the kids, I'd entertain the kids. And then I'd say, right, crack, let's crack on here. Right? They'd never get a free lesson out of me. If it was the end of term, I said, right, we're doing displays. Let's make this amazing. Let's make this room look amazing. I'll crack on if you'll crack on. Are we doing it? Right? I'll put some music on, kettles on, biscuits there. We're, we're going to make this room amazing. Oh, can we watch Spider-Man? No, you can't. You can crack on and do something worthwhile. And if you find something that ignites you, I love doing what I do. So with my children now, they can see that I do what I love. And I don't want them to do anything for me. I want them to do everything for them. That's a profound piece of advice. It reminds me of um, 
TEDx talk by uh, Ken Robinson about creativity and and uh, in education, do we kill creativity? You know, do we, do we mm-hmm. educate children out of being creative? And and it was a really profound argument, but I think it hits on what you're saying, which is, you know, don't let your education years rob you of what it is you truly love because all of a sudden, I mean, I remember when my dad finished school, you know, they looked at his O-levels, looked at his results and said, you know, you're going to work in insurance. And he spent 35 years working firstly for an insurance company, but then running his own small brokerage. And he worked really hard and he, and he gave us the best life he could. And, and he's retired now and, and he's done fine for himself and he's been able to retire. But I asked him a while ago if he, if he enjoyed his job. And he said, no. He, he said, if I had my time over again, I'd work with children and I'd teach them to read and I'd be some kind of teacher. And I never knew that about him. And I'm working, you know, partly mm. as a teacher now. And I thought, how interesting that I've actually gone into what my dad wishes he'd have done. And uh, I tell you what, when you see kids learning to read, though, when I worked in the special schools, there was one day that I had an epiphany. I was teaching a, a, a lad called Eric, one of the traveling community in York, who I saw the other day, actually, walking with his four children that he now has. And I remember one day, he came to my room because he'd come from English and he came across to maths. And I suddenly had an insight into what it must be to be him. And he lost, he lost it totally with me. He, he, he threw a chair. He was, he, he was completely, he thought he'd got something sussed. And he went, will you lot make your mind up? And I went, what do you mean? He says, teachers, will you make your minds up? He says, I come here and you say that's a three. Well, I've been to English and he says it's a mer. And there you have it. There's a kid who sees a three and an M and he sees the same thing. And there's two grown-ups who he's meant to trust who were telling him that they're two totally different things just because he's in a different room. And that was special education. And that's why they taught me so much more than I ever taught them. And I had to think, how do I teach them? Not what do I teach them? How do I teach them? And that's what they made me go. There was no route one. There was no, right, page exercise 27, (laughs) one to seven, off you go, none of that. We had to go through everything, everything. And we did everything around the table. And it was was a lovely way of learning. It was like sort of side by side. And and it it was great. And, you know, I think, I think your dad, I wish your dad, well, he can go into schools after this if he wants, and they'd chop their hands off for him. They will, they would have him. You know, come and sit with children. We'll have you tomorrow. Yeah, it is. It is something he's thought about doing when he's um, obviously when the the situation improves. But uh, what what are you planning? What have you got next on the in the pipeline? Obviously, given the circumstances, I know it's <laughs> tough, but well, well, you said about education and how it sort of drummed things out. Well, I hated English most of all. I'm sorry, English teacher, but I did. You know, you're with your creative writing. But I absolutely hated it. And the English teacher hated me at school. My dad has dementia. And just before Christmas said, we were talking, he said, oh, Mrs. Parkin hated you, didn't she? And so he remembered that. And he went, well, you shouldn't have, you know, been so friendly with with her daughter. So anyway, but I was, I was there because she was a piano player and I was a singer. And 
English could have drugged everything out of me. But I have, the pleasure I've had is doing things like this. Like, write, like writing a book was a ridiculous idea. So I wrote one simple book. Like, and that, to be honest, Simon, if you look at that book, all of it can fit on three sides of A4. It's a Mr. Man book with pictures on every page about how to empower people and families living with dementia. And that's in every library. Now, my English teacher at school doesn't have a book in every library. And then I wrote a book about people who were struggling having lost people who they loved. And so that's a, pro that's a proper grown-up book with big words. I used some of them twice, mind you know, I haven't used them. And so I did that. Then I wrote a book called The Pocketful of Kindness during lockdown. And that came along by accident, absolute accident. And it was all about my past coming along to help my present and my future. So what does the future hold? Well, I've got some films being made. I've got a lot of stuff that people are asking me to do, making films and little Zoom things to show their teams how much they matter and all that sort of thing. And they're going down a treat because I'm incorporating things that people are saying behind their backs and to get people who are working remotely to have a, you know, to feel appreciated. And I've got two books being written at the same time. One about being a dad and one about... Uh, talking to strangers, because your parents tell you, early doors, they'll say, use your pleasers, use your thank yous, and whatever you do, don't talk to strangers. Well, if I didn't talk to strangers, my children and your children wouldn't have shoes. Simple as that, isn't it? It's true. <laughs> Everybody was a you know, stranger at one time or another. I'll, I'll tell you the things that also that, that we've missed out on this year. Um, I've had no gigs. I, I played one gig uh, last February. That was the last gig I played at the York Barbican to 1,600 people. And then, of course, the drawbridge went up and it was all, all shocking. So I'm looking forward to making music again with a load of fantastic musicians. I'm looking forward to Christmas presents, the thing we do at Christmas for all the people, because we weren't allowed to do that. And generally, just to do the things I do every day with people of all ages and just to make them feel great because they make me feel great. They share stories. I meet amazing people and they're not old people. They're just like the kids I used to teach, but with different dates of birth. And it's all about getting those stories and giving them an audience because everyone's got a great act. We just need to share it. Hmm. wise words i love that and and at this point towards the end of the podcast i usually say you know how can people get in touch with you but we've covered that they need to ring you or go on linkedin those are the two places really to find you <laughs> you can find me on linkedin i've got a, a website bigian.co.uk i don't have any big fancy corporate names or anything like that and as i say i'm just a bloke with a mobile phone people seem to like it and uh if you're not doing what you love, then what are you doing? Find something that absolutely just makes you smile, makes you wake up on the morning and go get in. Because I've got mates who are clambering, clambering towards retirement. And my kids both know that I'm not going to retire. Because why would I? Why would I stop playing? Because this is a game. This isn't work. 
and I meet cool people and I do lovely things. And why would you want to stop that? Because the grand old Duke of York marched everybody up to the top of the hill and marched them down again. I'm going to carry on if I can, marching and marching and marching. And I hope I never march them down. I hope I just get as high as I can there, having a lovely time. And then one day I might just fall off the edge. Boom. And that'll do for me because I'm having too much fun. It's a, just a shame that I never realised this at your age, Simon, because it's just, you just think, goodness me, why did it take to be 50 years old to really realise why, why I should use, how I could use these skills? Hmm. Better later than never, though. And, and, you know, I look at what you're doing and I just think it's marvellous. Yeah, you know, it's such a lovely thing that, that you're doing and, and I don't see a post of yours that isn't uplifting. So, you know, it's always nice to, to see what you're up to and, and see those posts and see those updates. So keep writing. And and most of the things, if you if you if you look at most of the posts, most of them aren't about me. They're about other people. Because they're the things. Everyone the joke is people bring me in as some sort of motivational speaker, but in most of the things I'm either showing a short film about somebody else or something that we've done together and things like that. It's all about championing other people, helping other people. I don't need any help. I'm fine, thank you very much. So it's all about celebrating the good stuff that's happening, the brilliant practice that's happening. I used to do that in education. I do it in care. I do it in everything I can. And all we need to do, if we bring generations together, then magic can happen. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. I hope that what you've learned in today's episode will help you become a more effective communicator as you put it into practice. You can visit my website, simonspeaks.co.uk for more information, tips, articles and resources or to speak to me about working with me as a coach. I'm also available on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Simon Speaks. I'm on LinkedIn and I also have a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Speaks. Thanks again for tuning in today and I look forward to seeing you again next time.